en hartelike goeie morgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en Psalm 119-105 sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy mondtik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Gee jou geloof vleels, ontdek die lewe saam met 657 AM. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. And a warm-hearted good morning. Trust to find you well wherever you are, that you can indeed say, Bless your heart, Lord, I'm on your wake-up list, and life is just beautiful. 11 minutes after 6 on this, the 12th of September. Time is just absolutely flying. It's time for scriptural, skriftierlik, and saam met my in die atelier, soos altyd die het om veilig hier aangebring, my broer in Christus, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. Rocky, good morning to you. How are you keeping? Good morning, Vainant. It's so good to be here and doing very well. Thank you. Well, looking forward to, to yet another hour in the presence of the Lord. As jy vraag het uit die woord van die Heere, somewhere somebody said something very interesting. Had a, a, a very interesting off-air discussion this morning in my office before we came into the studio and somebody asked a question about Apollos and what happened to him, you will know there in Corinthians, I think it is, where Peter, uh, the Apostle Paul, addressed uh, the Church of Corinth, and uh, then he makes uh, note of the division uh, in amongst the church, because some follow Paul, some follow Apollos, and some follow Peter. Mm. Who are you following? Are you following the Lord Jesus Christ, or are you chasing some after some denomination? And somebody here asked, so what happened to Apollos? These are the type of questions that we try and find answers to in scriptures and uh, if you've got a question you're so welcome to send it through on whatsapp no voice note please only whatsapp if you can just type it out for us and uh, send it through to the studio uh here's the number 082 That is the number here in studio, and kindly, if you can, just jot down the scriptures that you need to make a reference to as well. Uh, Send it through, and we have prayed for you as you listen to this program this morning, that we would stay true to God's word, the undiluted word of our Lord and Jesus Christ. And so, can I ask you? As you listen to Pastor Rocky sharing the word, would you pray for him, intercede for him, that what we share is God's opinion, not man's opinion, but the Lord's opinion. With that, we don't claim to have all the answers, and sometimes we say, hey, just hang ten with this one. We need to go do some more homework and study some more in the scriptures. So, uh, yeah. In uh, all die vragen pas ook niet altijd helemaal in die program in nie, maar uh, volgende week dan gaan ons verder en ons kyk of ons dan by die vraag kan uitkom wat ons nie hierdie week kon hanteer nie. Rocky, let's get going, time is catching up with us, 9 after 11 already. We had a question from Bernadine that said, Good morning, if God has sent you, now let me read it slowly. 
because there's a lot of implications in here. It says, if God has sent you a promised man, is it still sin if you are intimate, if you're having sex, before marriage, even though God joined you together? Shall we keep it simple, Rocky? How do we answer? What do we look at? What does the scripture say in this regard? So, sex before marriage, the Bible is very clear in regard to the prohibition of sex before marriage. And this emphasis also stems from the importance of the covenant that is before God and man in the marital relationship. Now, um, many times mankind wants to go about things his own way and do things his own way, but we must go back to God's word. And in Genesis 2.24, we have God saying, even there before Adam and Eve had parents, they, they, well, I mean, not before they had parents, they never ever had parents, but listen to what Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's marriage instituted right there in Genesis 2 verse 24. There's a special moment where that husband and that wife leave mom and dad and cleave to their husband and their wife. And the two now become one flesh. And this union has always been about the unity that there is of Christ and the church. That's what Ephesians 5 verse 31 to 32 says. And so the marriage covenant that there is, this promise that is made before God and before men is something that is so special within the scriptures. This is not simply something that an individual does uh, underneath the moonlight with another individual. And that is not this marriage covenant. The marriage covenant is before the witness of God and before the witness of mankind. But there's also the importance of being equally yoked that we see in the scriptures as well. But we need to remember that marriage is never about your and my pleasure. It is about honoring God and it is about giving the the right picture to to the world in regard to what a husband and a wife is. We need to show that idea of Christ and the idea of his bride, the church. So there needs to be also an equally yoked element and that's Second Corinthians six verse fourteen. And that means that the couple should share the same uh, faith and the same value. Now, if the, the question's coming through, it's from somebody who I believe would be professing to be a Christian. You'll be listening to a Christian radio both station. We have now both of them ought to be Christians, but yeah. how do you know somebody's a Christian? They yeah. need to have the standard of God's word and they need to come to God's word and say, that is what we're going to follow. We're going to follow what God says, not what we want. Yeah. And remember, go back to the Garden of Eden. The very reason that man fell in the first place is what that they wanted. Exactly. They, yeah. they went and they wanted to be independent of yeah. what God had said. Wow. And so there's a patience that has to be implemented. And there is a, a, a right understanding when it comes to even God's word and what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. The scriptures also teach us that when we give into temptation, it's because we give into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to be a people that um, that that obey and honor what God's word even teaches to us. And so there needs to be that same set of values even there. And, and remembering that that intimacy is also an act of worship before yeah. God. Yeah. When the husband is seeking to please his wife and the wife is seeking to please her husband, this is an act of worship before God who is the one who makes us because one. Because the Lord is there that, in the room. In that covenant. Amen. Yeah. 
And, um, and then also looking at marriage as a covenant, it's vital to understand that you're not truly married until um, you're married. <laughs> you know, because there's that sense, and even engagement in the old in the Bible was actually seen as already a promise. Remember what happened with yes. Joseph and Mary? Yes, they were engaged, but they were not taking part in that intimacy and the sexual unity before they were actually married. Yeah. And so there's a there's a clear example from the scriptures where when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived. Joseph actually decided in his heart, and this is what uh, the book of Matthew teaches us, he decided he's going to divorce her quietly. And why would he decide to divorce her quietly? Well, the woman is pregnant, and he had not known her physically. And way back then, that was an offense punishable by death. Exactly. And so Joseph actually was going to take it on the chin, and he would have known that everybody would have thought that Joseph was the one who knew his wife or knew Mary before. So he decided in his heart to divorce her quietly, and then then the angel comes to Joseph. And says, no, this is of the Holy Spirit, and you'll name him Jesus. And you have somebody like Joseph, who was a man that was such a godly man. Now, of course, Mary and Joseph had many children afterwards, but he never knew his wife until after the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a scriptural example of this. But then another element that comes to mind is in the book of James, in James 4, verse 13 to 15, we need to be a people that are not guilty of presumptuous sin. Now, presumptuous sin is saying, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go and live there uh, without actually taking into consideration God. And James says, you should always say, Lord willing, or God willing, we will do this, and we will live here and do this. Now, this is a person that's saying, well, I've made a promise to this man, and this man has made a promise to me, so can't we just then sleep together? Can't we just enjoy what marriage has when you're not actually married? And this would be guilty, I believe, of even that presumptuous sin. But there's another scary illustration that comes to mind, and that's in the book of Second Samuel. Second Samuel 13, verse 10 to 19, is a, actually a very sad story, a story about Ammon and Tamar. And you'll remember oh, what happened yes. with that story, yeah. because um, that's David's, David's son. son, as well as David's daughter, Tamar. And Tamar was the sister of Absalom. From, yeah. So she was, a, she was of a different mother, but of the same father as what Ammon was. And Ammon actually loved this girl so much that he got sick. I mean, that's where we get obsessed. the terminology obsessed. I mean, where we get the idea of lovesick. Yeah. And he had this terrible <clears throat> friend who helped him devise this horrible plan where he said, well, you just go into your room. You pretend that you're dying (laughs) and then you tell your dad no please get Tamar to come and bake me some food and bring it to me and then when Tamar comes to him he wants to lie with her and he wants to have intercourse with her and he's not married to her and Tamar righteously says to him my brother our father won't withhold this now in those days it wasn't uncommon for a half brother or half sister to marry one another and says but go to our dad. Our dad will, will give me to you in marriage. Yeah. That's the better way to do it. Yeah. And he doesn't listen to her. And because he's stronger than her, he forces himself he on her. Powers her. And right after this, sadly enough, you actually find that as soon as he's had his way with her, he begins to hate her. And he hates her even more. And the scripture says he hated her even more than what he'd loved her in the first place. And she says to him, my brother, don't do this to me. And yeah. he, he actually chases her away. Wow. And this leads later on, I think it was about two years later, to Absalom killing Ammon. Yeah. 
Because of that act. Because of that act. Rocky, can I come in here? Don't we see it nowadays as well in this so-called enlightened age that we live? Young people who burn for one another, literally. And once they have their ways, it's almost like a consumer mentality. They throw each other away. It's like chewing, chewing gum. And all of a sudden, the taste is gone. The desire is gone. No, you're not for me. Now, 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 that person is left. And somebody else must pick up the slack now. Uh, in the instance of chewing chewing gum, you know, now, yeah. now you must pick something up that's been used. That's been, and I'm saying something, but uh, still in God's eyes, we are precious human beings who yes. who did not follow God's instruction, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and I do think a good study of the Book of Proverbs would be so good for our youth in our day and for yeah. parents to do yeah. with their children, because there it even talks about not awakening love before it is ready. Uh, to be awoken and and there is an element where people will even engage in an emotional affair long before it even becomes something that is sexual yeah, yeah. and 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 yes where the problem comes is when you're expecting your now let's say your boyfriend or your girlfriend yeah. to fulfill that which only a husband or a wife ought to and I even use those terms in inverted commas and I think it's a sad reality that we we have gotten away from the biblical ideal of proper courtship and, right. and a proper kind of a, 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 a honoring relationship where you actually know that this is a brother or a sister, like Timothy says, yeah. that older men are to treat younger women like sisters in all dignity. They're to treat older men like fathers. There's a brother-sister yeah. element when it comes to the relationships that we should be fostering between yeah. young people within the congregation. And they should be able to even be a better a brother or a better sister after the time that they've been in that relationship with yeah. one another than what they were even before. All right. So now here's the question, Rocky, and it's possibly I, I, I want to uh, not walk away from this because so many people are struggling with this at the moment. What about young people that says, well, we're not intimate with each other? But by George, I mean, they mess around, uh, they're playing with forbidden fruit, and, and then they say, well, we were not intimate, you know. It's, the, the, you have touched on that, that said we should not awaken love before it's time. Not so. Now, yep. Does the Bible warns us again, lust, let's call it by its name for what it is. Yes. And they're messing around with temptation, they're messing around with love. That's the word of God warns us against that. I mean, it's in yep. the it's in the same uh, uh, what we're talking about now about you know sleeping around before you're yes. married. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I do think what is a sad reality, Vainant, is that we have given in too much to our culture, and our culture is a hedonistic culture. Very that much is a so with Hollywood and what they yeah. And and our parents are often not discipling their children as they ought disciple their children yeah and and i think this is where there is is much that that is left to to almost the child to disciple themselves wow and and i think that that's where there's a sad reality our parents need to take more responsibility for raising their sons and raising their daughters all right Uh, let's go to our whatsapp line look what this uh let's keep this listener uh anonymous he says my question is what does the marriage ceremony actually look like According to scriptures, what does God consider a marriage? Because culturally, we are very different. 
uh, and a marriage might possibly look something totally different in South Africa, culturally speaking, between uh, the difference uh, that we, there's a, somebody said there's a beauty in difference in our country, but then again, then when something in Japan might look like, or in Iceland or something, how do we yeah. know? What does the Bible say? What is a marriage? Yes. And so I think a, a couple of pointers would come out. And, and here I would also recommend years ago I listened to a sermon by John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur, on a, I believe it was First Corinthians chapter 7. You could probably go look that up. An excellent sermon where he looked at four different kinds of marriage that there was through the biblical times. Right. And he talked about in particular there where the Apostle Paul says about what marriage looked like. But but he has a couple of pointers that, that I would say biblically are what makes up the marriage. Because, of course, the ceremony differs depending on if you're Hebrew or if you were Greek or if you were a slave. Or, if or you, you're Tosa you know, so or Sutu. So there's different yeah. um, ceremonies in that yes. sense. But he has a couple of the things that I believe are biblical to have in a ceremony. There's right. a covenant and there's a commitment. So that's important. Covenant, covenant commitment. and commitment. Covenant so with there's, whom? There's a promise that happens between these two parties. This yeah husband and this wife and yeah. that marriage and that covenant goes back to that Genesis 2 verse 24 right at the beginning therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh Rocky can I stop you there does that mean your mom and dad have no say in in this relationship now you've leave them you now cleave to your wife yes they can give advice but you yeah. are ultimately responsible yeah, what, the, what the point of that is is that you begin a new family unit yeah. That now husband and wife have become a new family underneath God, All right. and they are no longer underneath anybody else's authority. All right. So the, the Christ is the head of the husband. The yeah. husband is the head of the wife, yeah. and they as a couple are a new family. So you don't actually begin a family only when you have children. You begin a family at that moment where you say, I do. All right. You start a new family unit. Okay. Now, that, as you mentioned rightfully, that, that doesn't mean that you don't ask advice or that you don't listen to advice. Um, I think that the, it would be unwise of a couple to not ask mom and dad, what yeah. do you think about this? They've yeah. lived longer than you, especially if they're believers. They're going to be people that will have good advice biblically. But in the end, the husband in that home makes the decision. Yeah. And the yeah. wife under him submits to her husband. All right. So uh, back to that um, covenant commitment. commitment. Covenant the next commitment. one is consent. So the, the consent is important within the biblical framework. And in okay. biblical times, the consent of both the man and the woman was essential. So that's also part of the ceremony, I believe, biblically when it comes to husband and wife. It's not the parents giving consent to the daughter or the yeah. parents giving consent to the son. It's actually that boy and that girl or that man, that woman that have to have consent with one another in regard to this marriage. And the woman had a say in whom she married as well as seen as an example of somebody like Rebecca back in Genesis chapter 24. She, had, she was able to give consent. She could have stayed with Laban, her brother, and her parents, but she went with to yeah. be married to Isaac. And then there's also the public declaration, and that's important regarding a marriage. And that's mm -hmm. where I think so many of the people today are getting it wrong, is that yeah. they think that it's just this private thing. They've met somebody online, um, and they've... 
they now have this private relationship with this person. There's private and messaging. And also go to Las Vegas go to, to wherever to yeah. just have this this thing there. This All public right. declaration is often even with the family itself. Now, of course, if you're a Christian and you have come away from some other form of religion, it might be that your family no longer they, they disown you yes. or they're not really with you. Um, and it may even be as Christians that you you make a stark difference compared to the world around you. You're not having intimacy before marriage, but they're all having intimacy before marriage. And and you would have family members saying, "Oh, well, why don't you test drive before you wow. actually buy?" And yeah. and this is this is the sad reality the of the world that we are living in. And we we must honor Christ above all of this. But there's that public declaration, and that involves a public gathering where vows are exchanged and witnesses are, are there. And the exchanging of, that vow, of those vows often would include promises of commitment as well as fidelity. This is going to be your husband, and this is going to be your wife. Are you going to be committed to these individuals? And then there's also a blessing element. Even through the scriptures, we see this blessing, and in some instances, a blessing from even a religious leader, in a sense, or somebody that was in authority within the community that was there and was able to to show but this now is the husband and this is now the wife and for example in in christian weddings even today the pastor would officiate that wedding um, because he would be seen as somebody within that position within the local church but we would see this even back in the scriptures and we see even uh, our lord jesus giving a stamp of approval to weddings because that was at his first his first miracle miracle, was turning water into wine at the wedding at cana but then there's also the feasting and the celebration. We see this through the scriptures as well. And that was a part of that marriage celebration because there was that the, the feast and the gathering was, was common in the biblical times to mark these unions of marriage. And the wedding in Cana, John chapter 2 is that example. And then Jesus also performed that first miracle there. But also we have the marriage feast of the Lamb that we look forward to as Christians. And so the idea of marriage is actually so central to the Christian worldview because we are the bride of Christ and Jesus is the coming groom. So we are engaged to Jesus and he is coming to take his church to himself. That's what the rapture actually is. And then in that seven-year tribulation period that the world goes through, we take part as those that are the bride of Christ in the marriage feast of Jesus. So marriage itself, the reason that Satan has so attacked marriage, and the reason that the world attacks marriage, and the reason that our flesh, that old Adam, Adamic flesh, rages against marriage, is because of the very critical element of what marriage is, which is that picture of Christ and his bride, the church. Jesus gave up his life for his bride. He bought her with his own life, and he's coming back for his bride. Yeah. And so this is indeed such a symbolic and, and precious thing within the scriptures. It's about time we go and read Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5. Again, I yes. think Ephesians 5, husbands must be willing to die for their wives. Um, right. So uh, do we walk away from this one? Have we said enough on it? You're comfortable with that? Yes. And I trust that. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Rocky, just one thing. Um, before we walk away from it completely, I had it in my heart to just ask you. Some people would say, Christians, listen, it's expensive life as it is at the moment. We're going to cohabit. You know, we're not sleeping together. We're staying in different rooms. Um, but once we get married, yes, we'll move into the same room. What sort of a, a example are we setting to a lost world out there that says, oh, those are Christians? Yeah, they tell us they live in different rooms, but uh, should we even avoid that? 
um, because we're creating this this picture of who knows what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah, um, I think even the world will look at that, and any Christian that honestly thinks through that, what you've what you've just said, would go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah come on yeah. now. You yeah. know, we're all adults. We we know exactly what you're talking about. So, so don't even and create an, 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 a, a, a picture, an idea. That yeah, and, and the reality is, yeah. is that you are living somewhere at some yeah. point, and it doesn't need to be expensive. The, we have made marriage to become this, like, real affair that – that becomes this money-making racket. And we go out and we buy an expensive dress that you only wear once, and we buy this massive cake. It really doesn't have to be like that at all. I'm reminded of an instance at Middleburg Baptist Church. That's the church I I first started pastoring at. We had a a couple there that had come from another neighboring country, and um, they introduced themselves as husband and wife. And yeah. in one of my sermons later on, they were convicted about the fact that they had never actually been married. Wow. And so we, we instructed them, well, move out from one another. One of you can come and live here and Start one of you doing can live something there. About it. And they did that. And then we, we married them. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, it didn't cost them much at all. One yeah. of us in the church had a spare suit. One of us had a spare beautiful dress. We had a, the church service right after on the Sunday morning. Everybody brought, um, something from the church because these people were part of the church. Yeah. And, yeah. and we were able to celebrate a, a wedding with them. And and so it doesn't need to be expensive. I think we need to get out of our minds this idea of this Hollywood kind of a version yeah. of what marriage looks like. It's not like that at all, and it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And you can yeah. actually be married relatively easy. And what I would also say, Vainant, is that we need to get back to saying, let's do what God says to us. Because the wages of sin, and I've taught this even to a way to that children, looks right unto man. The wages of sin is death. And the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're in a situation where you're living with your boyfriend or you're living with your girlfriend and you are a professing Christian, then do the right thing, even though it costs you. Do what the Bible teaches you. Go live with a friend. Go live with a family member. Go get back to the basics of what God's word says. And be obedient to God's word. Mm. If you go about life your own way, it is only going to bring hardship for you. I'm just reminded right now, Rocky, I've done a program right here on this very radio station where elderly people, and you need to listen carefully here, brother, where the husband had fallen away, the wife is now getting the husband's pension, and she can make a good living out of it. She's fallen in love with somebody else who's also getting a pension, and they decided... Uh, well, you, you need those two incomes to make a living, and they started cohabiting together because if they get married, one of the pensions would fall away, and they say, well, the Lord would understand. That's the way of man, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I do think that that is a test because where, do, where does our bread and our butter really come from in the end? Does it come from a pension or does it come from the Lord? Does it come from a salary or does it come from the Lord? You know, I, Even as I look at that as a pastor, do I get my salary from Benoni Bible Church or do I get it from the Lord? Yeah, it's, a both, it's, a both, it's a both and yeah. in the sense that I get a salary at the end of the month because there's there's members in our church that generously, graciously give, yeah. but my salary actually comes from the Lord because yeah. I honor him and I seek to honor him and I know that he looks after the birds of the air and that he looks after me. And so I, I believe that we must always do what is right biblically 
and then we trust the Lord to be the one that provides for us. And and there's many a times that we can sacrifice doing what is right because we think of what is, um, let's say, what seems to make more sense to us. Yeah. But that's not what faith is. Faith takes God at his word and does what God says and then faces even some of the consequence of that. And even if that means suffering, you see, it, it's not the worst thing for us to suffer. The scriptures teach us that we actually learn the greatest lessons through some of the suffering yeah, we go through. Yeah. So let's say in that, in that hypothetical situation that they lose some money, but they actually, but they gain holiness. What's better? having some money or having holiness, having a testimony that honors Christ. And you find that other believers will even come alongside you. And and we often don't need to have as much as what we have. It's always better to have conformity toward Christ than to even have the comforts of this world. We have been challenged by this question. Before we walk away, let's keep this one anonymous. She says, good morning. My daughter is divorced and has a beautiful little girl. She has now been in three sexual intimate relationships with men and sleep in front of her daughter with uh, this man. I requested her not to do that when her daughter is with her. She says, I'm all grown up. I can make my own decisions. What do I do? Do I keep my nose out of this? Do I keep on talking to her? What am I to do? The greatest need that your daughter has is for salvation. And the intimacy that she's longing for and clearly she has gotten into is because she has a longing for intimacy, actually to have an intimacy with Christ. That's what she desperately needs. And she's filling that void with an intimacy with all of these different men that she's involved in um, or involved with. And I would say now as a grandmother, what is what is hard in this regard is to, to notice the real need that there is for your daughter. And I would say you pray for her. You continue to share the truth of God's word with her where you have opportunity. And I would say also that you show an example to to both of them in your own living before the Lord, in the way in which you view the scriptures, in your um, obedience towards the Lord God. And I think of the ways in which many are won over. It, it, it takes time and it takes consistency yeah. and it takes you honoring the Lord Jesus Christ in your own commitments. I'm just thinking of the one hymn writer, and I'm, I'm trying to desperately remember the hymn writer's name now, who wrote that um, that marvelous hymn, I'd, I'd Rather Have Jesus Than Silver or Gold. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. Um, what happened with her is the testimony was that her her father was an alcoholic um, his his whole life, and he was actually stealing money from his from his wife's person from the money that was meant to go towards feeding the family just to have the next drink that he could have but in in god's mercy i mean she would always the the wife would always go to church um and she would continue praying for her husband and continue to honor the lord in her life and he came to saving faith and uh, while his daughter now was already grown up and he gave his testimony at church. And part of his testimony was, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Yeah. And she wrote that marvelous hymn on the back of that. And her mother had faithfully served the Lord Jesus her whole life and continued to honor him. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect in all the things that you say yeah. or do. But yeah. even in the times that you're not perfect, you know, First John 1 verse 9, where we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he forgives us. Yeah. Even in the times that you've messed up, you're able to then go back to your daughter or to your grandchild and actually she say to them, look, I sinned against you with what yeah. I did, and I have a savior from 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 sin. So I would encourage this dear 
dear listener, go and study the Word of God. Keep on praying. Keep on your with your commitment towards have an intimate relationship with Jesus that begins to be enviable. Yeah. Where they begin to look and say, but that's the real way that you are satisfied. What about her pro- the protective urge to protect a grandchild from what's happening here? Does she leave her there? Does she stay out of it? It's not her, her own child. What advice do we give to her scripturally there? Yeah, what's such a difficulty is that that as long as this child is on under her own roof and not under the mom's roof, and as long as she is of an adult um, age where uh, what she's doing is not illegal in the country, yeah. sadly what she's doing is not biblical, of yeah. course. Um, but she won't have any legal right to actually yeah. to to let's say take the granddaughter out of that home. Yeah. Or um, and so so I would say you know she could try as best as what she can to provide a space for the granddaughter and and provide a a, a place where there can be safety and openness of relationship with the grandchildren. I mean we we only can see this from from one message, but but I would say is you also don't want to enable that kind of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And you and, and and sadly I've seen this at times where there's such manipulation from a child that is actually enabled by a parent. So for example, where the parent now let's just a hypothetical, a different situation to this, where a parent actually enables this kind of a behavior from their child. This child is actually under their roof, is bringing the man home, is, um, and, and the parent themselves has not been living a life that is honoring to Christ. And so that's where I think the real start is, for the parent yeah. to look at, are there areas that I'm not obeying Jesus? And are there areas I need to repent? Because maybe my child is behaving like they've been behaving because I've shown them that kind yeah, of I've a behavior been, myself. Yeah. You know, and the child is looking and going, well, mom, you don't have any right to say anything because look at the way you were with yeah. this man or that man. And I think that that's an area where we need to get back to repentance and we need to get back to what the scriptures teach. And then we need to have those open, honest conversations where we confess our sin to one another. And when we are looking at our own heart and going, where am I living in such a way that is dishonoring? But the real need that this daughter has is to be led toward the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the true husband of the soul. And even when it comes to any marriage, you're never actually going to be fulfilled, even with your husband or with your wife. The real fulfillment comes with Christ and that intimacy that is there. And in the end, that's when you're able to have intimacy within marriage that is of worship element to the Lord Jesus, knowing that, hey, I'm I'm serving the Lord in the way that I serve my husband or serve my wife. It's not actually about all the pleasure that I can get. And it, again, it gets us back to that idea of what we see in our society is so hedonistic, yeah, which yeah. is just please me, just give me all the pleasure that I can. And Jesus even taught us this. He said that if you want to save your life, you must lose it. That's how you really save your life is you must yeah. give it up and serve. Um, and be a, So I hope that that is helpful. Right. We've really worked this one through. I have no more uh, in front of me. I think we've answered that well. The thing that you need to be considered of now is to say, well, never again can you say, I did not hear, I did not know. We've really shared God's word with you this morning. And I trust that uh, you are taking heed and say, Lord, Help me change my ways. Even though it's going to cost you something, even though it's hard, Lord, help me change my ways. It's a battlefield. It's a battlefield, the Lord says, in the last days. And it's the battlefield of the mind, the body, uh, 
Everything. It's going to cost you everything. God of all or not God at all. Yes, Stephen Green. We'll be back with some more scripture all right after. Yeah, welcome to 657 AM and a good morning to you. A couple of minutes before it's uh, midday, noon, 12 o'clock. But uh, we still got some time to tackle one or two more questions that came in this morning. Mariki, yes, volgende in die beer. Sy het een interessante vraag wat sy daar vraag. She says, Sy sê, Saul wat Samuel se gees laat oproep het met die heks van Endor, daar in 1 Samuel 28. Volgens wat ons geleer het, is dit nie Samuel gewees nie, maar beslis een bose gees. Uh, what say the word? I want to add to that because that's a very interesting question that she's asking the uh, Rocky. Uh, as somebody else had also asked, so is Saul in hell or is Saul in heaven? Or because um, this spirit, Samuel said, tomorrow afternoon, this time you will be with me. What do we understand from that? How do we understand the scriptures? Was it an evil spirit? Was it uh, Samuel himself? How, yeah. how do you read the scriptures? Yeah, um, according to, if you go and read First Samuel 28, you will see that Saul actually dresses himself up. He disguises himself. He puts on other clothes, verse 8. And then he goes to, he, he actually gets this medium. Um, and the medium says to him, in verse 9, behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? And then Saul swears to her by Yahweh. Interestingly enough, he swears by God, saying, as Yahweh lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. So then the woman says, well, who do you want me to bring up for you? And he then says, well, bring up Samuel for me. No, And then the woman saw Samuel, and it doesn't even say she actually was trying to bring Samuel up yet. You know, he, she doesn't even know yet that this is Saul. Saul has been disguising himself, but she suddenly sees Samuel, and she cries out with a loud voice. All of a sudden, she's afraid. And so what, what leads me to believe that this actually really was Samuel and not a demon is that this woman was known for bringing up spirits, but the spirits she brought up was demons all along. Now, all of a sudden... This real person comes up, Samuel comes up, and she gets such a fright of her life because she sees really Samuel coming up, and all of a sudden she realizes, but this is actually Saul all along that is with me. So I do believe that here we have something of an Old Testament miracle where Samuel himself is before, and and we see that in 1 Samuel 28. It doesn't say that this was actually a demon or an evil spirit, but that it was Samuel himself, and Samuel himself then speaks to Saul. And Saul then does, Samuel does then say, you'll be with me. Now, in the beginning of this, in verse 3, it talks about how now Samuel was dead. And then it's verse, I believe it was verse 18, where he says, And you did not listen to the voice of Yahweh and did not execute his burning anger on Amalek. So Yahweh has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, Yahweh will also give over Israel along into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, Yahweh will give over the camp of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. I believe that when he's saying you will be with me, he's talking about you will be with me in the sense of you will be dead. Like I am dead. So tomorrow you're going to die. 
because of this thing. And then Saul, in verse 20, fell quickly. You know, so then Saul quickly fell full length upon the ground and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. So there, all the way through it, actually tells us that this is the words of Samuel, not the words of a demon, but this is something that actually Samuel was brought up with this spiritist. And I think that this spiritist got the fright of their life in the sense that, yeah, suddenly, actually Samuel comes up. She's been asked to bring up Samuel, but it doesn't say that she actually did any conjuring at all. And so this is, I believe, an Old Testament miracle and was not really a demon, but really the the, the spirit of Samuel right. that came and, to and, speak. And the question that, and I think you've touched on that, that somebody asked, uh, you think Saul is in heaven, in hell, but uh, as far as we can ascertain, it's it's only death. In death, he would have been yeah, there. In death. And, but, I, and I do, um, from what I can see in the Bible, I don't believe that Saul was truly saved. I think yeah. that you have this element where there was sorrow that led to death with somebody like Saul, not a okay. sorrow that led to life and and i do believe that if saul truly was born again that we would have seen something of saul even within the new testament like a passage like um um hebrews chapter 11 where you have the hall of faith yeah. uh, like i think you and i had an off-air discussion about somebody like samson yes for example and samson is mentioned in the hall of faith yeah in what he did there all right um, even though he died yeah. by the pushing of those pillars it wasn't he didn't committed suicide. To a he didn't specifically extent. try to commit suicide yeah. necessarily. He'd been he'd been rescued so many times before, but yeah. he brought about that salvation of the people of Israel from the Philistines. All right, and but he's included in Hebrews eleven, where Saul is not. All right, bless your heart. Thank you so much, Marike. I hope that answers it for you. This what is script to see. This what was dear here. And thank you so much for your participation. So many people taking part on WhatsApp this morning, sending messages through to the studio. Rocky, we've literally got four minutes left. Uh, good morning, men. If we are saved by putting our faith in Jesus, because we cannot be saved by works, why then? Do we read the instruction, we must live decently as it should be in the daylight, there must be no drinking, no extravagance, no fornication, no immorality, no strife, no jealousy, no, you must live as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and not constantly seek to satisfy your sinful desires. Um, what do we answer? What, did, yeah. what does the scripture mean? Yes. How will we so, understand So this it? is an excellent question, and it's important to then understand that when the Bible is talking about salvation by faith and not by works, yes. it's referring to the initial act of being justified before God. This justification is a one-time event where our sins are forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that's Hebrews 2, 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Exactly. Eh? All right. um, however, the passage that has been mentioned in this question, which is Romans 13, verse 13 to 14, is talking about that ongoing process of sanctification in the life of a believer. So there is a saved when you are first justified, but then there's a saved as you sanctified, and then there's a saved when you are glorified one day in heaven. 
So after you are justified by faith, we are called to live in a way that reflects our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are to reflect the fact that you have indeed been justified. Yeah. And that's Show what we fruit. call sanctification. Exactly. Yeah. So that is the fruit of the Christian life. So that includes living a morally upright life, avoiding sin, striving to follow Jesus' example. The point is that faith alone saves, but faith alone that saves doesn't stay alone. It works follow which is what we call the fruit of the Christian life. And that is what Romans 13, verse 13 to 14 is speaking about. He's addressing Christians. He's not actually saying this is how you become a Christian. He's saying this is what you are when you are a Christian. So when we look back in verse 11 of Romans 13, because we want to look at context, it says this, and do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to to, to awaken from sleep for now salvation is nearer to you than when we first believed yeah. so these are believers that he's speaking about so in a, in a nutshell we, how do we reconcile these two concepts salvation is by faith alone not by works or, or, or our effort it is a gift of God and then after being saved we call to live a holy life and a righteous life in response to God's grace and that takes us even back to Romans 12 verse 1 to to two, which says, therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what is the will of God is, and that is good and pleasing and perfect. And so, therefore, our obedience and righteous living are what initially say is not what initially saves us. It is by grace alone, but that is what follows, as we see even with James. James teaches us this in James 2, verse 14 to 26. So in a nutshell, that's a great question, but the point of Romans 13 of what we see is that of the sanctified life yeah. that the believer lives, the fruit of that salvation yeah. that comes out. And the Bible says, by their fruit they will be known. Amen. Not so. Just to end it all off, put it in a nutshell. Yes. You, you can't fool the Lord, you can't fool the world by the fruit you will be known. Indeed. Wow. Time to love and leave you, my brother, my sister. What a privilege to have been in your company. Bye, dankie. Hoe lekker was het nie om saam met jou te kan keier nie. Bye, dankie dat jy ingeskakel was. Bye, dankie dat jy saam met ons gebid het. Dat waarheid na jou kant, dier die lichthove van Radio Kansel 657, kon kom. Nooit kan jy sê, ek het nie gehoor nie, ek het nie geweet nie. Rocky, somebody wants to write you a letter, be in touch with you. How do they get hold of you? You're welcome to send me an email at pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za It's also helpful that if you have a question during the week, we sometimes answer those very questions from the emails um, here on Skriftelik, so you're welcome to, to send an email there. Yeah, pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za Problem is, if you've listened to this program today, you now have a responsibility. God's word says, Acts seventeen eleven. you now have to go Search the scriptures yourself to see if these things are so. Bless your heart. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Thank you so much for caring with us. God willing, next week, if the Lord tarries, we'll bring you another uh, insert called Scriptural. And bye, donkey. Rocky, bless your heart. It was indeed a privilege to have you in studio this uh, day, my brother. Drive safely back. And looking forward to next week already. Don't forget, the program will be podcasted afterwards. You'll be able to find it on podcasts. So till next time, keep well, God bless you, and shalom.